0: Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am so excited for episode two with you guys. I, um, I hope that you enjoyed episode one and unpacking the box with me a little bit about what this podcast is all about. But before we dive into some of uh, some of the different topics that we'll be covering, I want to share some of my story with you guys today in episode two. And I want to share my story for three reasons. Um, so I'll start with that and then we'll jump in. But uh, the, the very first reason, which is ultimately the most important reason to ever share our story, is that my, my story is actually God's story. He is the one who has called me into his family, who has led me and shaped me and grown me. He has humbled me and he has lifted me up. During those seasons when things have been dry and difficult. And so I want to share my story in order to bring him praise and bring him honor. So praise be to God for everything that I'm going to share today. The second reason I want to share my story with you today is because I want us to get to know each other. Uh, I mentioned in the first episode that my kind of vision of the atmosphere for this podcast, even though I know you're busy, you're commuting, you're, you're cleaning up a spill in the kitchen, whatever you're doing right now, while you're listening, the atmosphere is that we're two girlfriends sitting down together, sharing about life. And it's pretty hard to do that when you don't know anything about the other person. And so I want to share some of my story today so that we can get to know each other. And then the third reason that I'm sharing my story with you on, um, on the podcast today is because I'm hoping that that can model for you how helpful and meaningful it can be when we do share our story. Because sharing our story, whether it's our our big life testimony or just a, a deep or intimate or small experience that we had just the other day, it takes vulnerability and it's difficult. We often get a little too bogged down in our own heads. We're wondering uh, what are people going to say? We don't know how they're going to react. We might still be dealing with some of our own emotional baggage from our story, and so sharing it feels way too intimate or way too difficult. And yet when we do share our story, God always uses it to bless and encourage other people. He tells us he's going to do that right there in the pages of scripture, so we shouldn't be surprised. But I know that I have found this to be the case when I've um, taken that that step of faith, um, or that step of vulnerability, and shared my story with people, I always find that someone is encouraged. And that certainly doesn't mean that they've had the exact same experiences as me. I don't think it means that my story is particularly unique or exciting or anything like that. Um, spoiler alert, there's no... Road to Damascus, you know, hearing Jesus speak audibly, being blinded for three days, like the Apostle Paul. There's nothing you know huge and exciting like that, but it is a story of of God's work in my life. And we are always encouraged when we hear other women share their story because it it shows us that we're not alone, um, and often we can learn something or take something away from their story, um, and just be encouraged by seeing God work in someone else's life. And so I don't know how comfortable you are sharing your story, how often you get the chance to do that with other people, but I want to share mine today so we can get to know each other, so I can bring God honor and glory for what he's done, and so that I can model for you and, and, and practice being vulnerable with you. Um, so that hopefully we all walk away a little more willing to share our stories with the people around us when the Lord gives an opportunity. So with all that in mind, um, I'm not going to start at the beginning. You don't need to hear about my childhood. It was pretty normal. I've got two parents. They're still married, happily married. I've got two brothers, um, one now married with the cutest little boy ever. And, and my family is, is great. They're all very encouraging people. Um, I love spending time with them, but we didn't grow up Christian. We didn't grow up going to church or talking about, um, God or reading the Bible. Um, that really started for me in college because the Lord put me, uh, in a very secular school. He put me on a freshman hall that was about 90% Christian women. Um, and that's just not normal. I know that that is from the Lord, And so, you know, what's college all about? You hang out with your friends, you get to know the people around you. And so I spent time with these women. We enjoyed a lot of the same things. We hung out, we went to class together, we studied together. Um, We just had fun. And I really don't remember throughout college, I don't remember any of these ladies sharing the gospel with me in some formal setting. I don't remember any conversations about heaven and hell or or what's life all about, Um, you know, any of those leading someone to Christ conversations that we might think about. But I spent time with them, and they went to church on Sundays, and so I started going to church. It was kind of a, you know, why not? Uh, Hang out with my friends, I'll go to lunch afterward. But then I'm a little bit of a nerd, um, a little bit might be generous. I like to read. I like to learn, and so going to church and hearing these sermons and not knowing this book that they were talking about, um, that didn't sit well with me. So I started reading the Bible on my own, and like I said, I don't remember really talking about that with my friends. I just I started reading it. I'm sure we talked about it here and there, but it was not like I was in some study with them, although they were in a Bible study um, on their own, and I'm sure I was invited, but that just wasn't. That wasn't where I was at then, Um, but I started going to church with them, started reading the Bible on my own, and over the course of those four years in college, the Lord drew me to himself, and I'm sure that I went to class. I'm sure they were great. (laughs) I did graduate, but what I really remember about those early years, uh, those years in college is that I was falling in love with Jesus, and I was learning about him, and he was opening my eyes to to so much sin and pride in my life. Um, He removed a lot of things that I was very committed to, but that he knew were not good for me. Um, Thanks be to God that the things I thought I wanted at that point did not wind up happening. And uh, he, in his grace, in his mercy, he gave me faith. And so by the end of those four years, um, I had been baptized. I was in that Bible study with my friends and I graduated knowing I want to continue this journey with Jesus and knowing that I wanted to be a counselor. Um, I had graduated with a major in psychology and I, I was already interested in counseling as a profession. And um, so I graduated and I basically followed my best friend uh, to the area where she was going to be living after college, which was the the Washington, D.C. area, in part because she had a spot for me in her apartment. Uh, I didn't have a job at the time. Um, but also a big part of it was that I I knew I wanted to keep following Jesus, and I did not yet feel confident that I could do that on my own, that I could find a healthy church, that I could connect with a new group of Christian friends. Um, and so I followed my friend to the D.C. area, and I got I got a job um, that allowed me to take some time kind of praying and discerning a specialty within the, the counseling world, because there's a lot of things that you can do with that. And so over those next few years, the Lord showed me that family counseling was my calling, that that helping people with their relationships, um, even if you're sitting down individually, it's always about our relationships, our people. And so he showed me that during these next few years and the jobs that I had, um, which eventually led to me going back to graduate school and uh, and getting the the necessary degrees and everything to become a professional counselor. And during that time, I was also uh, connecting with a great church um, and continuing to grow deeper with the Lord. And when I think about these pillars of the Love Your People Well podcast, loving God, loving ourselves, loving our family, loving others, um, these early years for me, you know, for all of us, I think, in our early 20s, you're kind of figuring out life. Who am I? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to spend my time with? And I'm so thankful to the Lord that he would continue drawing me close to him during that time, showing me um, truth in scripture, helping me learn and not just, not just read, but actually understand and apply what I was reading. James one twenty two was a big verse for, me, for my life during this time, which, is, which tells us we should not just listen to the word, but we need to do what it says. Um, and so the Lord helped me learn how to love him during these years, these early years as a Christian, and he used my friendships during this time and my my colleagues at work, he used these different people to show me how to love myself um, as an adult, as an independent woman who's following after Jesus, and he showed me how to love um others, how to love my friends, how to connect with my church uh, to volunteer and to serve and to to plug in to that community. And a big struggle during my 20 s um, at that point was singleness. Um, I didn't want to be single. I had a lot of of um, probably idolatry, I would say about relationships and the idea of of getting married. and the Lord walked me through that over many years and you know, this is probably just how he always works. I I had to get to that point of really just releasing all of that to him. I was enjoying my spiritual growth. I was enjoying my friendships. I was enjoying my connections at church and in the community. And it was at that point that I met my now husband. And it was actually through one of the girls in that college Bible study. We were still friends and he had connected, uh, was friends with her brother and her parents and her family. And so at her birthday party, uh, we both got invited and oh, there he was. So cute. It was actually a costume 70s party. So we uh, it, was, it was a fun event. Got to do the hustle, uh, got to talk, got to know each other. And then the night ended and we went our separate ways. But uh, in the Lord's mercy, he, he reached out to my friend and, and contacted me and there are so many things from that season of life of, of dating this man who I felt very, very confident and comfortable early on with the idea of of marrying him, of, of planting seeds and roots with him and, and building a family together. Of course, I didn't say that. <laughs> Unlike date number three, you don't have that conversation. But I'm so thankful um, for the things I learned during that season of dating him because uh, he was very purposeful in pursuing me, which I had never really experienced in a relationship before. And it was a long-distance relationship. We lived about two hours apart from each other. Of course, getting two hours away from Washington, D.C. sometimes takes six hours because traffic is ridiculous. So we lived, uh, you know, a ways apart. And I had always, uh, based on some previous relationships, I had always said, no way, I'm done with long-distance it is too much emotional drama. I'm, I'm not interested in that. And then here comes this great guy with the long distance as part of the package deal. Um, but that actually wound up giving us opportunity to talk more and really open up and get to know each other. And it also gave us a chance when we did spend time together, when he would come visit me and stay for the weekend or I would go visit him, um, we had to be purposeful about spending time with our friends because we, we didn't want to spend the night with each other. Uh, we, we knew that that was not healthy or holy, um, for our walk with God or our relationship with each other. And so, you know, he got time to, to hang out with my friends and I got time to hang out with his friends. And that was not purposeful in the sense of trying to get to know each other's friends. I mean, as that wasn't the intention of it, but that was the incredible blessing of it because you really get to know someone differently when you're spending time in a group, when you're seeing them not only interact with you, but interact with other people, and it gives you a chance to see who is this person in a bit more of their natural setting. So those those were just a few of the incredible blessings of the Lord during that season of dating Kelly, um, and then he proposed, and then we did get married, and um, I left the D.C. area, which not really a big city person so I was in that way I was I was ready to leave that area um and of course when you when you're newly married anybody probably men and women when you're newly married there's a lot of change in your routines and in your identity and how you think about yourself your day your planning your calendar And so we had all of those fun conversations over those early years of marriage. And for me, uh, one of the big things that the Lord showed me in how to love this man well, my new husband, um, how to bless our family for the long haul, was that I needed to be more vulnerable with him. I needed to share the things that I was thinking about and wrestling with and struggling with, even though they sometimes felt embarrassing um even though sometimes i didn't really know what i was thinking yet and so i was kind of a at first like in that place of just i'm i'm processing life myself and i'll share something when i have words to share it and i feel confident about what it is i need to share and the lord really helped me to see that that i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing to figure out what you want to say and need to say and how to say it before you say it but if you do that every time, then you're not really letting this person, letting your husband in to your inner thinking and your inner heart. He didn't always know how best to pray for me because I wouldn't share that something was a struggle until I had already wrestled through it and come up with some solutions. And so that was that was a, a big part of those early years of marriage was figuring out how and when to include each other in some of the deeper more difficult, more emotional things that that we are dealing with. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit opening my eyes to that because it was not easy, it was not comfortable. I think that's probably true for all of us, Um, but it did bless my marriage in an incredible way. Um, It not only blessed Kelly, but it also blessed us together as a couple. Um, And still today, now that we have kids and life has changed quite a bit, I still see that intentionality that we have in communicating and sharing and being vulnerable together. And I see that blessing our family today as well. And that wasn't always easy because loving God during that time, um, it wasn't a, a problem. It wasn't necessarily a spiritually dry season, but there was a lot of comparison going on in my own heart. Thinking back to when I was single And, you know, I just had so much more time for reading the Bible and praying. And so I began to look back at that as like, man, that was a time of just such incredible growth and intimacy with the Lord. And it had to change when I got married. I didn't have the same availability in my schedule, you know, trying to read the Bible at different times of day. And I don't know about you, I'm a routine person. (laughs) and So having a routine that, that really worked for me when I was single was difficult to change and to find a routine that felt as meaningful and as intimate with the Lord after I was married. And um, that was a good life lesson moment um, that our emotions don't actually define what's happening. They are important. They tell us a lot about ourselves and our situation and maybe what we need to deal with or think about or act on. But the fact that I didn't feel as intimate with the Lord or as fulfilled when I sat down and read the word with him, that didn't actually mean that that time was not valuable and growing me. And so figuring out some of those new routines just for myself of how to find time for myself and my hobbies and the things that I enjoyed and how to find time for the Lord and to make that meaningful and then also have time with my husband in the word and in prayer, Um, figuring out all those new balancing acts was a journey for those first few years. And it's still a journey. We um, we think it's very important to pray together and to be in the word together, um, to have family devotionals and that sort of thing. And um, that has shifted a lot. We've tried a lot of different things over the years. I really like what we're doing right now. This is 2021 and we're in a, like a one-year Bible reading plan together that we're we're doing it at the same time every night before bed, and then we pray together out loud before we go to sleep. And yeah, you know, so we're really liking this season we're in today. But we have not gotten here without a lot of trial and error. And I am confident that, that that routine will only last for however long, and then we'll have to shift it up again. And so shifting and trying and and experimenting with a lot of those different things early in our marriage it prepared us to continue that for the long haul. And so that was a great blessing early on. And so much like those years in you know my mid-20s of struggling with singleness, even after we were married, we started trying to have children pretty quickly. Um, within a year, we were trying, and it wasn't happening. And um, that journey of infertility was equally painful, and obviously in a very different way than being single. They both, I think, spoke to uh, the temptation in my heart to be able to control things, to have the life that I want to have in my timing and according to my plans and my will. And much like he did with that struggle in singleness, the Lord fully met me in, um, in my struggle with infertility, in that emotional and spiritual struggle with that and the time that we have spent trying to get pregnant, trying to bring children into our family, was a time of incredible closeness with the Lord and growth, um, and really just just confirming for me that we are a family whether or not we have kids. <laughs> and so, and we wanted children, and uh, the Lord has graciously given us children. But we spent several years uh, trying and not really understanding what was wrong and not always talking about that very well. Obviously a husband's experience of infertility is different emotionally than a wife's experience. And as we did start to get some answers, um, my husband has shared with me that it, that was in some ways even harder for him because he was trying to process his own grief about, um, about what was happening and not being able to get pregnant. But he was also trying to care for me as I was struggling with that because the struggle of of being a woman and knowing God created me and designed my body to carry life, that's not the be all end all purpose of women, but he has designed our bodies in a unique and special way to do that. And my body wasn't doing that, was not, um, doing what needed to happen so that we could get pregnant, um, and I know for a lot of people, they never get answers about why. There's not a medical or biological reason why they're not getting pregnant. So I am thankful that we got some answers because it helped us resolve the grief of, um, of that, that season of infertility. But it was so meaningful to talk that through and pray that through with my husband. Um, and not only to um, deal with my own grief, but to, again, be vulnerable with him about that, about the things I was thinking and struggling with. Um, and he was, was thoughtful enough and, um, communicative enough to let me know that that in some ways that was harder for him because he wasn't thinking in the same way. So it's like, Oh, great extra stuff that I need to care for you while I'm trying to care for myself. Um, but again, that just blessed and grew our marriage because we are here for each other, not just with each other, but for each other and the Lord was faithful with us. Um, We had already started thinking about adoption before we got some of the medical answers that we were looking for. Um, And actually we had known since we were dating that we were interested in adoption. And so thankfully that um, was not a new conversation for us. But if you've ever looked into adoption, there's like a ton of different kinds of adoption. There was a lot to learn and research and pray through. And where we landed, was on embryo adoption, which is actually a pretty, pretty new thing Um, as IVF has become bigger and bigger. um, There are close to a million frozen embryos uh, in the world today. I mean, this is 2021. There's probably only going to be more in the years ahead, but a million frozen embryos that no one at the moment is planning to give full life to. And many of those are available for adoption. And so as we learned about that, um, it was a great fit for our family because it allowed us to care for the least of these, these teeny tiny microscopic people that needed a family. And it also allowed me to carry our own children, to give birth to them, to have the pregnancy experience. And so we adopted our children who had been frozen for eight years and, um, We adopted three embryos, which these days I don't, I don't think they would do three uh, because it's it's higher likelihood of multiples. And sure enough, oh, we have triplets, (laughs) which actually is, is an incredible blessing. And, you know, we knew that we knew we're putting three living um, embryos in, into me, you know, they do a transfer and they put them in your uterus and you're praying for them to implant. Um, It's about a 50, 50 success rate for any given embryo. Um, so the statistics did not suggest that we would get pregnant, but that that would, or that we would have triplets, but that that was a higher possibility than just your average pregnancy. And sure enough, we went to that first ultrasound and there's one heartbeat, two heartbeats, three heartbeats. And I think the doctor was a little more surprised than we were because he didn't know our whole story about the adoption. And by the Lord's grace, it was actually a very smooth pregnancy. Uh, The babies were born early, which we had expected to happen. But here we are, they're a year and a half later and they're healthy, they're growing, Um, they're running around and fighting over toys, and they love to read with us and cuddle in our laps. And it is such a blessing to have these children. But it's possibly even more of a blessing to know that the Lord is with us whether or not we had ever had these children, to know that our lives and our marriage and our family was, um, was worthwhile and meaningful with or without children. And it's been such a blessing to add them into the family and to get to, to parent them and see them grow. And here we are today. Life has changed quite a bit. <laughs> we're parents now and parents of three children. They were born like right before the COVID-19 pandemic. So we weren't the only ones staying home a lot in the past year, but a lot of the, the friends and people around us who were so excited for us and so helpful during the pregnancy haven't even gotten to meet the babies yet because, you know, we haven't been able to, to go out in the same ways that we maybe normally would have or have the same babysitters over and that sort of thing. So I'm really excited for this upcoming year because at, at this season of life, the Lord is really opening my eyes to the importance of community, to that loving others element of life, and to the need for friendships and not just people to hang out with, but deep friendships, people to share life with. And we were very plugged in with our church. And then in this past year, we, you know, well, the church hasn't been doing the same activities because of the pandemic, and we haven't been able to participate in what they have done because of the babies and just experiencing that, missing, missing that involvement, missing our church people. Um, so I'm excited to see how the Lord is going to grow us in those areas and connect us with some new people now that our life has changed so much. And I'm excited to see how he's going to use this podcast and this new ministry to not only, I'm sure, bless me and bless my family, but to allow me to come alongside so many new people, so many new friends, and to watch him work, because that is so much fun. So thank you, friend, for listening, for, for letting me share a little bit of my story today. I would love to continue connecting with you. I hope you'll hit subscribe to stay um, in the loop with this podcast. And we've got some links in the show notes to the website, loveyourpeoplewell.com. We've got some great resources on the website. Um, We've got a free five-day email course called the Relationship Reset, which I'm so excited to to offer that to you. It's the first course um, for Love Your People Well. I'm working on a few others um, based on past courses and trainings I've done in person, you know, trying to make them something digital, something for this ministry and for this season of life. Um, But I would love to connect with you. So I hope that you will reach out. Let me know how God is working in your life. I hope that you'll hit subscribe, that you'll follow us on social media. And I hope that I will talk with you again soon in episode three. So hugs and blessings to you, my sweet friend. I'll talk with you soon.